Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have a friend who's speaking tonight. Um, she's awesome. And she's a powerhouse, and her name is Susan Folkler. Come, Susan. <laughs> Well, they, obviously, Charles knows I'd get it wrong, so he fixed it for me. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Well, that was awesome hearing those stories, wasn't it? And, you know, sometimes we can think, oh, it's so cool when they go overseas and get all that stuff stuff, but you know, it's all about just walking around loving Jesus. I had this dream once about that, um, that I just, I remember this dream now and then because it's so important to keep this in mind. What is it to, to be lovers of Jesus and what is it to make a difference in this, in this world? And I had this dream and in this dream, I'm like walking through a mall with this guy on his arm and I look at him and he's like, it's like he's my husband, but it, it's not Russ. <laughs> and I'm like walking. I'm like, he's got kind of like got facial hair. and like, oh, it's Jesus. And I just, I'm just so overcome with love that I just grab him. And we sit down. We start like kissing right there in the middle of the mall. <laughs> so I always try and think of evangelism as just PDA. <laughs> Publicly loving Jesus in front of other people. Right? Being real about how we feel about Jesus. I think it's supposed to be kind of that that simple, and like like no no rules, no try having to say things in a certain way. It's just loving him is is so attractive, and everybody in the world wants to be loved, and everybody wants to know just to have someone to love, and that flow of unconditional love that only comes from him. We can't do that. We cannot do that at all in our own strength, but in him, I mean, he's a source of all of it. So that's for all y'all. You all have that. You all have Jesus in you. So you get to see the same stuff. So um, I think we don't have a whole lot of time, so I will um, be mindful of that. But that was so good hearing all the stories. So, so let's just pray. Jesus, we just, I just thank you for how you're here in each life that you are at work, God. And just like that word we had earlier about breakthrough, God, and for some of us, we're aware of the breakthrough happening. For, for others, we're not quite sure. But we know and we trust you're at work in every life here because every life here is absolutely precious to you, Jesus. And I just love, God, that you are, um, you just treat each of us as such an individual, So I pray that that would be absolutely affirmed to each one today, that they would get that sense of the just the special, unique connection they have with you and how you are showing up in their life and that you are the same, God. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, you are the same God. You're the same God that was was first century church. You're the same God that shows up in Uganda. You're the same God in each of our lives, Lord, in everything that we do. So would you just make yourself even more real today and touch each one just where they need to be met tonight because you know Jesus. 
And just speak through me what you would have me say, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, we've been going through Acts, and we're up to Acts 4, because we felt like as leaders here at at Blazing Fire that um, we really felt like God was going after the ecclesia, that is the church, the church really being the church this year. And we really wanted to focus on that, that your lives matter. God's indwelling you. And each one of you has total access to everything that heaven has to offer. And really, it's a matter of mindset, and it's a matter of believing it, and it's a matter of just trusting that that God loves you as much as anybody else in the whole world. So we've been going after this um, from Acts. So I want to just read the first part of Acts, which is here. Yeah, there it is, right before Romans. There it is. Okay. I'm just going to look at the first, read the first part. So where we're picking this up is Peter and John. Remember that little uh, scene where they're kind of wandering around and they run across this man who's a cripple at the gate beautiful and they just are moved with compassion. They heal him and then everybody's noticed and they're sharing with everybody and and the other people that start to notice are the religious leaders. So that's where we're going to be picking this up. The teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and, and the other leaders, they were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there is a resurrection from the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them and had them arrested. And I'm going to, even though, and because they had been sharing, um, the total number of men who believed came to 5,000. The next day, many of the leaders convened a meeting because they're like, we got, we got trouble in River City here, okay? We're not quite sure what to do about this, 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 this Peter and John. Stuff is happening, and we do not have control. Um, and they made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, tell us, by what power and authority have you done these things? That would be a loaded question. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, Respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. Are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well, then you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that that crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us, only the name of, by the name of Jesus. And the council members were astonished. And they, as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered they were just ordinary men. They were just fishermen. And they began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them 
simply by spending time with him. Standing there with them was the healed men, and there was nothing more that they could say. They could see that the change, the transformation that happened, these simple fishermen, these were not people who'd spent a lot of time in the temple studying the scriptures. They recognized it was being with Jesus that changed them. And I want to look at a scripture. Let me just... Um, actually, this is a scripture, Psalm 16, that is quoted by Peter just back in, in the second chapter of Acts, which talks about what happens when we're with Jesus, how we get changed, how we get transformed. And I want to talk about that today, um, that it is this being with Jesus that changes us. It's not knowing about him so much, It's not going to meetings so much. It's about being with him and letting him become the primary influence in our life. For three years, the disciples were hanging out with him. They were watching what he was doing. He was teaching them from the scripture, but he was teaching them life from the scripture, not just to memorize the scriptures, not to just um, do what they do in the temple at that time, which is kind of read the scriptures and recite the laws and all that, but to actually speak life through those scriptures and and show them how the in coming into what Jesus was doing was fulfilling the scripture with a message of grace and resurrection power and that he came to take care of their sins in a new way and not the old way of sacrifice and hard works and just following all the rules and they were being changed transformed day by day being with him So Psalm 16 says this, He is ever present with me at all times. He goes before me. I will not live in fear or abandon my calling because he stands at my right hand. This is a good life. My heart is glad and my soul is full of joy and my body is at rest. Who could want for more? You will not abandon me to experience death in the grave or leave me to rot alone. Instead, you direct me on the path that leads to a beautiful life. As I walk with you, the pleasures are never-ending, and I know true joy and contentment. In another translation, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. That's what it's like to really walk with Jesus and start getting closer and closer, more connected. How could that not change you? <laughs> when you're just feeling his joy of being with you and you in turn get to experience the joy of being with him, feeling his acceptance, feeling that love, confident in he, how much he believes in you and, and ascribes value and worth to your life. 
That's what it was like for them being with Jesus for those three years. Him telling them again and again and again, you're my brothers, you're my sisters, I love you. Everything I have is yours. And he just over and over and over started talking to them what it was to live in the kingdom of God. You see, I don't think that the other... The Hebrews of that day really understood what the kingdom of God was all about. And Jesus came telling them over and over. So many of the scriptures, he was talking about the kingdom of God has come upon us. The kingdom of God is within you. You don't have to work hard anymore. You don't have to follow all the rules. You don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to do this and that and the other thing. It's right here. I'm making it available. It's for you. Every single one of you have everything available just like I do in the Father. It's all yours. And this is what he was telling them again and again and again. Psalm 34, 5 says this. Gaze upon him, join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. So how many of you know I've spent a lot of years being in shame, feeling the not enough feeling. But when we start being with him and realize, you know, I could do, I could try this and try that. There's nothing I could do that could ever be enough. But sitting with him, knowing it's his love pouring into me, that alone makes me enough. And as they sat with him and sat with him for those three years, they just started to get it more and more and more and more. And then, of course, we know what happens in Acts, where then their already hearts are wide open and ready, and then the Holy Spirit gets poured out. These guys are bold and so full of the love of God, it just pours out everywhere they go. Start looking like him the more we spend time with him. And sometimes we're like, i got to wait till I feel it, you know? I know years and years ago, a lot of years ago, probably about 30 years ago, um, when I was not, um, I was not very close to God. I didn't really know God loved me. I was going to church. I would have called myself a Christian, but I was, you know, one of those kind of Christians that would probably come up come back up, up to the altar if that was ever something that happened at our church, which it wasn't, you know, to get rededicated, right? Remember, been in a church like that where you just keep coming up to get rededicated again because you're carrying so much shame, you're just not quite sure if you're good enough? Well, I was kind of in that sort of mind, um, mindset at that point in time. But this guy came up to me at, at work once, and I know he was a little, he was a little different. He believed in um, alien abductions and things like that. So he had some interesting ideas, but he came up to me once. He said, what is it about you? You're different. I'm like, I kind of knew in the back of my head maybe it was because I was a believer. I didn't know what to say at the time. Now I would have a lot more confidence to say, you know, I think what you're feeling and sensing, it's Jesus in me. At that time, I had too much shame, so I, I didn't know what to say to him. But Jesus is in you. Yeah. It's not something we, we brag about. It's not something we feel puffed up about. It's just he accepts you. He adores you. He's done it all. 
we can take no credit for this. All we do, all we do is say yes. And he says, okay, I'm taking you up on that. Yes, it is that simple. It really is. So I want to um, focus on three specific aspects, I think, themes that I think these the disciples started grasping hold of. Now, I know there's a lot more than this, but I felt that God had me to highlight these three specific things um, about what happened. How did they get changed by being with him? What was different about their lives, the before and the after? Because the same is true for all of you. There's a before and an after for all of you. You are not the same person you were five years, ten years. <laughs> Do I hear another amen? Okay. Well, I have to say, you, you all would not recognize me, okay? <laughs> From back then. It's so true. And he gets all the credit for that, doesn't he? He is changing us, transforming us from glory to glory. And you are, you are definitely looking like glistening ones more and more and more. Yeah. We're so glad, Jesus. <laughs> so the first theme I wanted to highlight is, is this theme of the kingdom of heaven becoming so much more real to all of them. In other words, the supernatural realm. It's so easy for us in, this nat- in the natural world, in the, in the reality of the world around us, is the things that we see and we hear with our natural senses seem somewhat, somewhat more real than the supernatural realm. But Jesus was telling them again and again and again and again how real the kingdom of heaven was. And the more you grab, start grabbing hold of that, the less grip this world has on us, the more sense of stepping into eternity and, and recognizing that place is actually more real than this in so many ways. And we get more that we get that perspective, the more we get authority over this natural realm. And it just can't affect us. Our circumstances lose their grip. This is a familiar, familiar scripture. I'm going to do it in the Passion. This is about um, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first that internet, that that um, eternal, infinite, supernatural realm, and these other things that are important are going to come into place. But we don't want to worship those things, and we don't want to let them control us, and we won't, don't want to stay focused on them all the time. We stay focused on Jesus, and this is. Um, yeah, Matthew six thirty three. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. The righteousness that proceeds from him. He's already made you perfect. Not through any effort of ourselves. So that veil's been ripped. There is no separation. We're already connected and one with Him. Perfect union with Him. 
we focus on that more and more and more and more. Then everything just perspective comes. So we see those, those lesser things that can become so loud and demanding lose their voice and lose their strength on us. We keep our eyes focused on him. We understand what is the most important thing. Um, there's this term that's getting thrown around a lot we hear um, on the internet called influencer. Anybody heard that word? Yeah, it's this word that, uh, they, you know, how do we get people to buy our stuff? How do we influence people to um, want this or do that or click on this or click on that? We're being influenced a whole lot in the internet. If you don't realize that, realize that. Um, and it's important for us, especially as believers, to make sure Jesus is our primary influence. He should be the one who influences us more than anything else. Because it's so easy for the voice of the, the world just to, to kind of get in there and become... I know there's times when I'm like, I don't know, I watch a show or something like that, and I'm like, oh, dang, I wish I hadn't have taken that into me. i got to be careful sometimes of the things I start taking into me because they kind of get my mind going the wrong direction. And and focused on things I don't want to be focused on. We want to stay focused on Jesus. The the second thing, it's a very, um, of course, central theme, of course, that would have marked um, Peter and John, the before and now the after, and that is love, right? I mean, that just was, Jesus spoke about love again and again and again. But it's not just love like feel-good love or love, you know, love your family, you know, and he did talk about that, husbands and wives, love each other, love your kids. Um, He was talking about the unconditional love, which is, Love all people. So even love your enemies. Love those people who aren't so nice to you. This is where the love of God sort of differs from human love. Sort of, just a little bit. <laughs> and this is um, John thirteen thirty five. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. This is Jesus speaking. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, um, by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. They will know we are Christians by our love. I remember in high school, and that was a long time ago, and this was even before I was a Christian, there was this, these two siblings, uh, a brother and a sister. Their names were Jim and Janet. And they weren't in my grade. They were older, but I had a class with each one of them. And I remember, I, didn't, I knew them each a little bit. I didn't know either of them very well, but I knew there was something so attractive about, each, about both of them. They were just so loving, so gentle, so kind. I can look back now and go, oh, those two were true believers who absolutely loved Jesus. And I could just see it. And feel it on them. And it was like, I want to be like that when I grow up. They were just so, it was just such sweetness and kindness on them. It was so obvious to me that they were full of love. 
I didn't know exactly what that was at the time. Now I can tell. Um, they'll know we're Christians by our love. They'll know because that kind of love looks different. That's why Peter stopped and said, uh, with, he was moved with compassion. He stopped for the, the guy with the, that was crippled. He stopped for, out of compassion. He did not stop so he could get a notch on his belt and have a great testimony. That is not what he was thinking at all. He was thinking, oh, oh my goodness, you are crippled and you've been laying here for how many years? I just want to pour the love of God on you and let's see what Jesus will do with this. It's because of love that compelled him. And I know loving our enemies is a tough one. I'm there too. I went through a little season recently where I was, some work situations where I was being pretty harshly judged about some things and it did not feel fair. And something in me just rose up and like, I want to justify myself and I want to judge them right back. And I did do some judging right back for sure. I confess. <laughs> but one day God got a hold of me and like, and? And what else are we supposed to be doing here? Oh, yeah, that's right. Love. That is the unconditional love. Even if you're judged, even if the person's done something really hard, really hurtful, really misunderstood you, really judged you harshly, has been really mean and unfair. And sometimes we got to kind of work through that a bit and be honest about our true heart. But the ultimate answer is love. And we don't, have an, we don't have it in ourselves, but we ask him to give it to us. And he will, as we're willing to do it, as we're willing to pour it out. He will. And the third point I wanted to make um, is this. And we get this from Jesus. What happens when we allow him in to be the center of our life? We know that we know that we know we're no, we're no longer alone, but we also come to know we're no longer our own. We no longer belong just to ourselves. We belong to him. Now, the world says we are our own people. We make ourselves. We make our own decisions. Um, we could do what we want. You know, we're pretty independent people, especially here in America. But when we invite him into our lives... We know he will always be with us. I know that's what was going on for for Peter and John. They were fearless because they knew he was right there with them the whole time. And this is from John 5.30. This is Jesus talking about his own relationship with his father. I have not ever acted and will not in the future act on my own. I listen to the directions of the one who sent me, and I act on those divine instructions. For this reason, my judgment is always fair and never self-serving. I am committed to pursuing God's agenda and not my own. And the more we get to know him and know how good he is, that we can trust him, the easier it starts getting. It's a process for sure. It's definitely been a process for me. And sometimes I think I'm doing better, and then I'm like, okay, I need to open up more and surrender more and trust more. That he knows far better than I do what to do. To trust him, to believe him, that he is good. 
Because Jesus said, you know, the same relationship, the same connection that he had with the Father, he's given us. We get that same connection. We get to step in that same relationship with the Father, just like Jesus had. And Paul said this, Yet all of the accomplishments I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I, regret, I regard them as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. It is a delight to have him in our life. I mean, he is someone who cares so much more about the little things of our lives than anybody else does. When I've just kind of gone through my day and just find, you know, like stop and take a minute, I'm like, you're right there, Jesus, and you care over, it doesn't matter how small, he's right there caring and loving on me. Sometimes I just get busy and, you know, distracted and whatever, but the minute we stop, there he is. He's never gone anywhere, ever, every part of your life. He wants to be part of. That's how dedicated he is to each of you. And I would propose to you another reason why those religious leaders were so so sort of dumbfounded and didn't quite know what to do with Peter and John, because not only are they seeing how strong they were standing in the love, the confidence of the goodness of God. They were testifying from their own lives. It was truth they were speaking. They were saying, this is who Jesus is. We've been with him. We've seen him do that. They could feel the flow of the anointing coming. He was testifying and the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, isn't it? When we testify about what Jesus has done in our lives, when we focus on it, when we think about it, it starts releasing an anointing for prophecy, which charges the whole atmosphere. Who? Like earlier, we were doing that, and you could feel the atmosphere just start getting charged. And prophecy means just new channels get opened into the supernatural realms of things that could happen, possibilities, new realms. Each one of you has a testimony of Jesus and what he's done for your life. Who? Each one of you has a very unique testimony, one of a kind. Sometimes we listen to somebody else, and you're like, I don't have a testimony like that. But you do, because you have a before and an after, too. And you go through times, and sometimes there's a dramatic change, and sometimes there have been some really slow processing changes in your lives. I know I've had a few that were really fast and dramatic, but I would say probably the most dramatic change in my life has been one of those slow, gradual ones where... When I sit with him, and I just feel how accepting, how free of expectations he is. Over time, you know, over years, meeting with him and feeling that has changed me. I used to have a lot of self-hatred. 
I used to be a very sad soul. <laughs> like I said, you probably would not have recognized me. <laughs> very fear- fearful, very sad. But over time, and I know I've got more to go for sure, but I do know he loves me and I do know he's with me. So I want to just um, invite us all to have a little time, is that okay, with Jesus? And I know those of you who have children, it's maybe about two minutes will be time to go pick up. No? We have time. Okay. All right. I'm being told we have a few more minutes, so never mind. (laughs) So I'm going to invite you all to um, just close your eyes for just a minute, a couple minutes. And I'm going to just just pray, Jesus, I am asking you to just move aside any distraction, anything that would try and get in the way. And I ask you, Jesus, in your name, that you would remind each one of us here of a way in which you have met with us and you have touched us and changed us. Would you just refresh and bring that memory to the forefront? How was it? How am I different, Jesus, now for having met with you, for having sat with you? How I have been changed? How I've been changed by from by sitting at your feet, adoring you, and receiving your adoration. How have I been changed by your word when you've highlighted truth to me, when it's invaded my heart with such warmth? How am I a different person today than I was a few years ago?
So I'm going to invite you all to, um, to just pair off with another person. Yeah. <laughs> and share what Jesus was bringing to mind right now. Does that sound okay? Yeah, so I'll let you know. I'll give you about two minutes each, and I'll let you know. I know for some of you it might take a few minutes just to kind of I, just to share with that other person how, how is it Jesus has changed you? What is your testimony of how being with him has touched your heart? Okay, I'm going to break in now. So, um, so now, parents, it would be time to go get your kids. So I'm wondering, how was that? How was that? Yeah? So, yeah, if parents could go get their kids now, that would be good. Thank you very much. And what I'm wondering, if maybe, maybe three or four of you would like to come and just share. If God, sometimes we, like, we need to be reminded what he's done in our lives. So maybe if you could just come up and share for just a couple minutes. Anybody want to come up and share what God reminded you of? that he's been doing in your he's been doing in your life is that come on up hi i'm uh brandon um i'm i don't you probably don't recognize me i come here like very often not like infrequently but um for me, it's been something more recent, too. I became a Christian in around 2008. Actually, Todd led me to Christ, so um, that was great, but then I kind of fell away, and uh, these last few years have been kind of really dark for me. I was living with my girlfriend for a while, and uh, I just started listening to a bunch of podcasts, actually, from Bethel, and within a three-day period, I got so convicted, I felt, I felt like I was going to be like sweating blood, almost, like during the day, and uh, I went back home told my girlfriend I can't live with her anymore, and uh, I left the house that night, and uh, ever since then, that was about beginning of this month, or last month now, but it's been like somebody flipped a switch, and it's just insanely different. I wanted to get out of the state for a long time for a lot of different reasons, and now my, my heart just wants to stay in, in California and go to Reading. I'm going to school up there now to Bethel School, so anyway, it's just, it's just crazy different, so, you know. It's just awesome. You know, God's just providing like crazy and so much grace. So, yeah. Anybody else? Come on. Come on, tell us your story. You know, to me, um, I think for many of you want to find that soulmate and 
I found I found God very intimate in a way that I don't have chase another lover, like what you're saying. And, and, and in the beginning, I would feel regretted. I, I chased God before chasing other uh, uh, girls. And I saw all my friends find girlfriends, and they married, except me, uh, at my age. But I found God in a way that is intimately much more than I could think of a, a soulmate, any soulmate on earth. And every time I come to him, I told, I told God, I told, I told Father, it's, 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 a, it's a world that I, I, I can come engage, a, encounter, associate with another person to live before him or the people around me. But when I come after that, after all the men's gone, I come at the at the night hours before I go sleep. I come sit before him. That's the world I found my first love, the first love that's intimate. That I found he knows me much more than I know myself. I found the identity that that he long in me more than I long for him. He is my first cause. He is my first love. And I found him. I found the root. Then I know who I am because he loved me. That no other things can be more meaningful than that. And, and I told other people that, in a way, he's my, my girlfriend in a very deep sense. <laughs> and... and, and and later on, I, that's how I met my wife that way. So. Yeah? Well, come on up. Yeah. Hi, I'm Zach, and I just want to share with you guys what God has done not, over, not only over the last year, but ultimately over the last two years of my life. Um, I've just had such a solidifying thing happened in my life where I've seen God be so real that he wants to meet with people every day, everywhere I am, no matter who it is. And he solidified himself so much in my life that he started ripping off mindsets of, of ways that I've seen him wrongly, way I've seen myself wrongly, of setting me free from things in my past that I never even knew was there. He was like a God who pursues me in such a deep way. I can be so vulnerable with him and, and in being vulnerable with him, I'm able to really express the love that he's given me to other people in such a crazy way. And I, I, I mean, I've seen people just get healed left and right because of his pursuing love no matter where I am. Kids in like high schools, kids in colleges, everywhere I go, just seeing, man, God meet people because he loves them so much. And, it, and, it's, it, he's, and, it, and not only that, he does that to people, but then he also does it to me. And like every day I come back to like on my face before Jesus and he's like the same God that I saw him meet the person, you know, the day before. That same love he encountered somebody with, he encountered me with. And it's just, it's just so amazing. He's, he's really a God who loves his kids. And if you just get on your face and you say, God, like I want to know you like, I, like more than anything, he's going to meet you right where you are. And if you just open your heart up, say, God, whatever it is that's inside of me, I want to see you for who you are, not the lives that I've heard my whole life, but who you really are. Man, he meets you in the most spectacular way. 
It doesn't depend on your finances or your, your relationships or where you are in life. He wants to meet you for who you are because he, he loves his kids. He just really does. He just really, really does. Is there maybe one more? I'm hearing a theme here, too. I'm hearing a theme of hunger. So I'm hearing all, the, all three of these. It was like they were saying, I wanted, I wanted God. I wanted God, and he became more and more important to them. It sounds like more and more central. That's so good. Thank you, Hi. Well, I grew up in the church. From the time I was a little girl, I received Jesus when I was four. But I grew up in a church that had the religious spirit. So I, I was brought up with the, with the idea that we do for God. We just, you know, we're not someone until we do for God. So I just was feeling like I had to always do and I always had to do it. And, and I was so lonely in that because um, I had the orphan spirit. And the orphan spirit is a spirit so many people have in America. It's people are lonely right and left because they never feel like they belong anywhere. And I had that. Going to church, I had that. I had that everywhere I went. I walk into the room, I was lonely. I could be, I could be surrounded by people and be lonely. And that's the orphan spirit. So about five years ago, I was freed from the orphan spirit. I mean, after all these years of going to church for years and years and years, and recognizing that that loneliness was not what God wanted for me, and to be freed of the orphan spirit means you can, um, you feel like God is holding your hand like all the time. You can be anywhere and by yourself and be completely happy. And like, I mean, that just sounds so cliche, right? But it's like so true. So, and and for for us as Christians to walk around with that orphan spirit, oh, that just sucks, you know. You know. <laughs> It's so bad, but so many of us Christians don't live in freedom. And, you know, if, if we find that we have that orphan spirit, if we have any type of spirit whatsoever, we can be free of every single spirit that's in our lives. And that could be from hereditary. It could be something that's from choices that we've made. But, man, to be totally walking in freedom and, like, running after Jesus, um, and having that freedom is like, man, it's, it's gold, right? And so then that love that Jesus has that just completely fills your spirit and your heart and your mind and your soul. I mean, how can you not spill out to other people and say, hey, man, this is, this is so amazing. And um, that's when our prayers are, you know, so... Amazing. That's when our relationship with God gets close. That's when our relationships to others are um, unconditional, right? Um, we don't have conditions because God's love is so unconditional for us that our love for others is unconditional. So, just a thought for everyone.
Yeah, thank you for sharing, y'all. That's awesome. And I know everybody else had a, had a story to share today, too, but that's all we'll have time for today. But um, I want to just close this in prayer. But I, if, if, if those who shared their story are comfortable and would like to come up and minister, that would be awesome. If not, that's okay, too. If you'd like to, the four, those four of you that shared, but also um, maybe we could have the ministry team come up in just a minute, but I'm just going to close us in prayer. And Jesus, um, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, God. And I just pray right now there would just be, <laughs> just like um, I think it was Zach that was sharing, that awareness of you are always there with us everywhere we're going, everything we're doing. You're showing up with your love. I pray for each and every one of us that that reality would be amplified, increased in our life. Open our eyes to see in new ways, Jesus, how active you are all around us all the time. It's just Open us up, God. Change our perception to see the kingdom of God is all around us. Always, Jesus. We're just so grateful that that's what you're doing. That is um, what you choose for us. Just because you chose us. Just because you want, you, you want to give us. Everything Jesus had is resident within us. Because he is ours and we are his. Jesus, thank you. That it has nothing to do with anything we might deserve. It has everything to do with the goodness of your heart, God. Everything. You gave us everything freely, Jesus. So, whoa. Just pray. Ha. Ha. Yeah, just more, Lord, just more of all you're doing, Jesus, in every life here. <laughs> we love you, Lord. We just love you, Jesus. Amen. So, yeah, ministry team, come on up, and any of the others who'd like to join us, come on up.